The countdown is on to Eagles football on Saturday this week. Big game, Cowboys. Or is it? Just one of the things we'll discuss over the next two hours. Here on Birds 365, Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald. And I am glad to report that John McMullen is still COVID-free. I didn't put the jinx on you yesterday, yeah, huh, buddy boy? That was that was like ninth inning perfect game stuff, Jody. And you're throwing the jinx out there. <laughs> I was I was very concerned about that, considering how many people are testing positive around the country, you know, asymptomatic. And I'm like, I'm 186 for 186, and Jody McDonald's is going to talk about it. Come on, you're a baseball guy. Uh, I've never believed in that, that uh, if you're a reporter, which, oh, by the way, we are here on this show on Birds 365, your job is to put the information out there, not to worry about That's things. true. That's if you're true. a fan I don't, and you're I just say, sitting there. I say all the time, I don't, there's no such thing as jinxes. I'm, I'm only joking around, obviously, because people, you know, they'll say, you jinx the eagles because you you put a good thing out there you say nah. i always say no there's no such thing don't worry about it i so i'm just joking around i the, agree with you the the only jinx you that was uh, part of yesterday's show was when you called howie roseman the fifth best general manager in football i think you've jinxed howie i think every morning uh, going- yeah, evidently i have uh ingratiated myself to howie i i have bent over backwards to try to get in the good graces of Howie Roseman. <laughs> uh, I go, first of all, Howie doesn't like me. Howie doesn't like reporters in general, except one notable NFL reporter that uh, is nice enough to come on this show that will remain nameless uh, uh, for the time being. Uh, <laughs> look, you know, I always say this, and I put this on Twitter because it annoys the living, you know what? I kill this team half of the time. It's like everybody's everybody kills me when I say Jalen Hurts isn't an an all pro. Oh, McMullen this, McMullen that, McMullen that. And then, oh, uh, McMullen says he's in Howie Roseman's back pocket. I mean, come on, people. Anybody, and, and it doesn't bother me that much with fans, to be honest, because fans are emotional. They love the team, whatever, whatever. When it when it's other you know people who should know better that bothers me a, a little bit because they know the score so to speak and they they know the real landscape but it brings to me you know if you don't think someone else can be object uh, objective that to me tells me right off the bat you can't be objective because you don't think it exists that's yeah. what it tells me it's uh, funny. I uh, First thing I do every morning when I come down, turn the computer on, get my couple of websites up, I throw on NBC Sports Philly to watch the uh, recap, the little 15-minute mini show they do from what happened in Philly sports the day before, pick up an eagle nugget, whatever. Uh, last night it was uh, Sixers win, so uh, Tobias Harris had a nice bounce-back game. He waited till after he left Philadelphia to comment on his actions from the previous game at home where – it seemed like he was mouthing, don't clap for me now, because they booed him a little bit because he's in a little bit of a slump. He's not playing well. And I usually defend Tobias Harris because I think the uh, fans are overly critical of him. He's not having a good year. I'll be critical of him. He's playing below what he's supposed to be playing. But he was, for me, an all-star level player last year, and people have forgotten that pretty quickly. 
but Tobias said last night, come on, they, they were booing me. I get it. So what? And it's the same thing for you and I. Do I get worked up when the fans say, Jody Mack is this, Jody Mack? No, that's part of the gig. You have to yeah. understand it. Tobias showed it last night. It's part of the gig. Some people are going to uh, be critical of you because you're uh, in the team's pocket. Some people are going to be critical of you because uh, you, you say too many po- uh, negative things about it. You can't please all the people all the time. So you let the critique uh, roll right off your back. Now, when your partner like me starts to get on your case, now you know you got a problem. Uh, you you, you <laughs> got to look in the mirror. I wasn't talking time. about you, but uh, we do it in good fun. Uh, but, I, you know, well, uh, two things. One, uh, I, as I always say, people, you know, I didn't say Howie Roseman was a top five talent evaluator. I said yeah. specifically Howie Roseman is a top five general manager for a reason. I use that term for a reason. So if you are only looking at talent evaluation and you think that is his lone job description, no, he's not top five. He's not as bad as people think he is because they don't look at the rest of the league. They don't see the, the miss hits in the rest of the league. But no, he's not top five. If you look at the all-encompassing job of a general manager, he's top five in my yeah. estimation. Now, I've had some other people that, that are, are more reasonable uh, reporters say he's top ten. He's probably not top five. I can listen to that conversation. You know, he's probably on the crux if you tell me he's seven or eight. Okay. If you're going to tell me he's 30 or 32 or t- no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Not even close. Well, Howie Roseman will be considered a major mover and shaker in the decision on what the Eagles are going to do on Saturday. Again, Nick Sirianni yesterday would not commit to who is going to be playing for him on Saturday and you're allowed to ask that question. You guys go down and got to talk to him. And uh, that is a very fair question this week. It's just one that uh, the coach to me seems like uh, he he's not happy that the question is being asked as much as it is, but sorry, Nick, those that's the situation we're in right now. I know you don't face that question every week. John McBone doesn't get on there and go, uh, coach, who are you playing at uh, safety? Who are you playing linebacker? No, we assume we know who are the guys who are going to be playing. If they're healthy, the guys who have been playing, all along, but this week is a different story. They've got a decision to make on who they want to play, who they want to get some action, who they want to let play the entire game, and who they want to say, no, you're too important to us to risk going into the biggest game of the year, which will be next week in the playoffs. It's a very fair question, and I'm not uh, chastising Sirianni at all for holding out what is going to be the game plan. He's probably in the same thing till right before the game. So that leaves us to speculate. And that's exactly what we're going to do here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac reading the tea leaves as best you can. How drastic will be the Eagles full protection mode on Saturday? I'm hoping to have a little bit of a better feel uh, this morning. Nick is going to talk at about 1130. But Do you really gonna... think he's going to give you anything? No, he might. He might. He might offer a little bit of a nugget or two. I, I'm on the same page as where I started. They're going to try to rest as many as key players as possible. And it's going to be a preseason environment, whether that means starting guys and letting them play a quarter uh, or something like that and moving into the main reserves. But 
you know, I talked about it. Instead of Fletcher Cox, I think you're going to see a lot of Milton Williams. Instead of Darius Slay, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Zach McPherson. You know, where there's obvious players. But again, this is not the preseason. You don't have 80 or 90 players. So you have to play certain players because you only have um, 47. So uh, the most interesting question, as it always is in the NFL, is probably quarterback. What are you going to do at quarterback? Um, You know, Jalen Hurts, is. uh, we talked to him uh, earlier in the week, and uh, Demonte Smith uh, yesterday. And, you know, they're football players. Javon Hargrave, another one. They, they want to play. They want to play. They want to play. Um, look, Jalen's still on the injury report with that ankle, even though he looked pretty good, especially on the one run in in Washington. But it's pretty evident they're being more cautious with him as far as the running game goes. So clearly there's something going on with his ankle. So do you really want to? inflame that before the playoffs or risk it before the playoffs? I don't. And then if you're going to sit offensive lineman, Lane Johnson hasn't practiced this week. Uh, now, m- most of it is rest, but they also put slash knee. So he's dealing with a knee injury. We know how many injuries Jordan Mailata is dealing with, how many injuries Jason Kelsey's dealing with. Um, so even if you get say a Jason Kelsey back off the COVID list to um, make sure his consecutive game streak extends. You don't expect him to play a long time. And if you don't expect your key offensive lineman to play a long time, we sure as heck don't want your first team quarterback playing behind a second team offensive line, or at least a makeshift offensive line. So I think in, in a lot of ways, it's just common sense and they're going to try to, to, to limit as many as their key players as possible. And, oh, by the way, Dickerson, again, for the second consecutive day, didn't practice. So you you know that it's going to be a makeshift offensive line. Not to the Eagles' credit, they've done a lot of that this year with guys missing yeah, games and yeah. plugging guys in and <clears throat> still kept the level of play pretty damn high, which is a testament to the team and specifically uh, their offensive line coach. Here's something that dawned on me this morning. I was out walking a dog, having a cigarette, and um, going through my mind, we're going to talk about on a show, and guys who are on the COVID list, and are they going to sit guys in a... Who the hell's playing running back for the Eagles (laughs) on Saturday night? Because right now they have uh, Kenneth Gainwell as the only active running back. Miles Sanders not playing. Jordan Howard and uh, Scott on the COVID list. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have not elevated anyone from the practice squad uh, at the running back position yet, have they? No, but you could do that at any point leading up to the game. Uh, the only two players they've elevated to this point are, and by the way, that was also a little bit of a hint because uh, all of those players who went on the COVID list under the new rules would be eligible to come back before the game. Uh, and they already elevated Cameron Malvo, Jacoby Stevens. Now, part of Stevens, I think, is because Sean Bradley's still dealing with that stinger from uh, the bender bender he was in. So he did a good job replacing him a little bit on special teams in Washington. So it's an evident that, you know, Sean's not going to play 
uh, I would say, even though he's back at practice, that that would be my guess. I have no idea. They want one, might want to play him at linebacker if he's healthy. Right. You know, they might want to sit TJ Edwards. So it could be two different things, but um, you get the point. And then Cameron, Cameron Malbeau was also um, elevated. So, you know, they want an extra edge rusher. So that means Josh Sweat maybe uh, is going to be in the category of, uh, as Jonathan Gannon called him, one of our premier players. Um, and he probably is in that category now. So, um, it, you, but, you know, if, if you don't say take 10 guys off the COVID list, Jody, you can elevate 10 guys. So they have eight more to do, and they still have Jason Huntley and Kerryon Johnson uh, at the running back position on the practice squad. And if those guys aren't back, they just elevate those guys. Did you guys get any uh, visual time on practice yesterday? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, only day of the week, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, they had – I tweeted a picture out if you want, if everyone wants to look at it, uh, at J.F. McMullen. Jeff Stoutland specifically was right in front of us uh, working with the offensive line. Uh, they could barely they could barely practice with the number of players they had out there. Uh, right. It wasn't so a that, lot of guys. The reason I ask is, which of the practice squad running backs were out on the field actually participating in any plays that they had? Because unless Kenneth Gainwell's going to play every snap, and you're oh, they all were. They all, but practice squad guys practice every week. I mean, they they're involved in practice every week. That right, but they change. they had to they had to be more involved yesterday with no Boston Scott, no uh, <laughs> Jordan Howard, no Miles Sanders. Those guys I know weren't practicing because two of them can't, and the other one isn't ready to practice. So some somebody had to be doing more than yeah, they usually do. I guess guys, the way I'm trying three, to answer the question. Yeah. Well, normally, you know. When everybody's healthy and you go through running back reps and uh, Jamal Stevenson and Miles will go first and 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 Jordan now will go second uh, and 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 Boston will go third and Kenny will go fourth and Jason Huntley will go fifth uh, and so forth and so on. Now it's down to Kenny Gainwell one, um, Jason Huntley two, Carry On Johnson three because he just got here. Um, yeah, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the decision is by the time we get to Saturday. Well, one decision was taken out of the Cowboys' hands yesterday. Micah Parsons, the outstanding rookie linebacker who is not only going to win Rookie of the Year defensively, but will be in the running for Player of the Year defensively, will not be playing this Saturday against the Eagles. He uh, was put into the COVID protocol yesterday, which gives him – just two days before the game. So even in the lax, or maybe I should say relaxed, uh, NFL COVID protocols, he is not going to be eligible to play. Um, is this the Cowboys doing the same thing that the Eagles did beginning of the week, get the testing over and done with? Hey, we were we were potentially planning on sitting you anyway. Uh, you were going to fall well, out of the protection apron. Well, so. if it is, Jody, this is another example why Howie Roseman is top five. If it is, you get it done on Monday. You don't do it on Wednesday for that exact reason. So, uh, another example. I don't. I don't. Right, know. But let me let me play let me play devil's advocate uh, that. Uh, maybe the Cowboys aren't as uh, slow to the take as you're making them. Maybe they had no plan to play Micah Parsons at all. 
maybe they wanted to sit Micah Parsons, but they wanted some cover that, hey, it wasn't our choice not to play Micah Parsons, that they said, well, I'm test. Truth be told, we hope he tests positive and that we, we were going to tell him we didn't want him to play anyway, but it just makes it that much easier pill to swallow for everyone if he's on the COVID list. So we got to wait till after it's not even a choice of he and or I. And oh, by the way, yeah, all the Eagle players, I know they all uh, had a chance to talk to you. Shockingly, they all said they wanted to play in this upcoming game. Uh, hello. I, that's nice. Everyone expected to say that, but it doesn't matter. It's not your decision. And it might be the same with Micah Parsons that they said, you know, Micah, because you remember back to the draft and you and I both had draft guys on right when we started Bird 65. A couple guys came on and said, Micah Parsons, not the most coachable player, that he's a talent. He's got skills, but he's not the most coachable guy. And he didn't play this last year. Maybe they didn't want to have a conversation with Mike about sitting down that they said, let's get him tested. And if he tests positive, then he's out of it. So it makes it easier for everybody. Uh, could the Cowboys have played their cards that way? I mean, I guess it's possible. Uh, you know, we're going to have John Mashota on the program. So maybe we'll get some clarification. Maybe he had symptoms. Maybe that's why he tested. Maybe he felt he had a cold. Maybe he had a scratchy throat. There's another of symptoms. But there's another of ways it could have went down. And maybe John has a little bit more information. But um, if, if you are gamesmanship, if you're playing the game, got to deal with Monday. Doesn't matter. Um and, uh, uh, and, and you'll see it, as I said, I, I, you know, we'll, you know, I'll be here Monday morning, uh, hopefully God willing Tuesday morning, uh, will be the bigger day actually. So Tuesday morning next week, um, it, 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 I think you're going to see a spike in the, in the COVID list. Cause I think everybody's going to get their guys tested on Monday. Uh, with the I I intent of making sure they're on the field for a po the potential playoff games over the weekend. And on Monday night, by the way, there's a Monday night game now. Um, so I think that's the way it's going to go. We'll see if it shakes out. But, yeah, it could have been that. Could have been could have been what I said. Could be he's actually sick. And right. he actually got a test. And uh, he came up positive, which – but again, I point out, and again, not your fault, Jody, because everybody does it. Nobody even brings that part of it up that somebody might, hey, somebody might actually not feel well. Right. And which brings up the hypocrisy of the whole situation. But right. we know that. Uh, have you been able to find out of the 12 guys that tested positive for the Eagles on Monday, if any of them feel bad or actually have some pretty significant uh, symptoms? Uh, they keep that stuff pretty well. well under they, they, yeah, they're they're not allowed by rule. It's similar to the concussion protocol to talk about players in the COVID protocols. But I will say, there is no concern uh, at 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 the Novacare complex about anybody. So that pretty much no one. In other words, no one's hand wringing about a certain player, and they hope. You know, there was one player who was hospitalized earlier this season. Um, and I'll try to look it up in a break. I forget who it was, but so, you know, people do forget. It could be, I know it was an offensive lineman. I forget who it was. Um, yeah, I don't remember either, but, uh, I'll, I'll try to look it up in the break. Uh, so there is, you know, there is possibility somebody gets sick. It's usually going to be a bigger guy, obviously, um, uh, 
so you always have to bring that into the equation. But no, I everybody was happy. Everybody was smiling because they made the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of there's no worry. Fair enough. Uh, we do not worry about uh, you guys sticking around. And Xander just popped in. Dakota Dozier, ex-Jet uh, practice squad, uh, I believe, on Minnesota, was hospitalized earlier okay. this season. Uh, and, and you're telling me n- none of the Eagles' 12 positives this week were hospitalized. You're pretty damn sure that, that uh, it's not of any major consequence that they're on the positive list as of right now. As of right now, no, no answer. Maybe a minor symptom here and there, but no major issues. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac Bird 365 guys. We've got two good guests uh, joining us today. First on the Philly side, Mike Gill from 97.3 down the shore. Uh, John's ex-radio partner will hop aboard and join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. And then, yes, now we're number two. We'll give you the Cowboy Outlook for the showdown game. Uh, the Eagles subs against maybe some of the Cowboys subs. We'll get a bit clearer picture of that from John Machota. He covers the Cowboys day in and day out for the athletic. He'll be our number two, but coming up next, Mike Gill joins us here on birds 365. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence. 
turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Birds 365 here on the Jacob BD YouTube channel. Appreciate you getting up and uh, staying tuned with your Mac and Mac guys, uh, McMullen and McDonald. Oh, we've got a third party to add to the mix this morning. I consider myself John McMullen's partner now. Oh, as does our next guest, who partnered for him down on the shore on uh, the ESPN affiliate down there. Mike Gill hops aboard here on Birds 365. How are you, MG? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I'm doing well. There we go. I miss those pipes, Mike. I miss those pipes. Especially at 8.20 in the morning. They're a little deeper. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what we want. Uh, Mike, well, let's start. Let's start with Howie Roseman. I know I was taking some hits yesterday. You took a, a torpedo or two for pointing out that Howie Roseman isn't the worst general manager in NFL history. I always joke, you go back to Amazon when they did all or nothing for the Eagles. The funniest part of that whole show for me was uh, they were following Howie along and he explained why he's got the darkest tint on his car uh, because people would recognize him and say the most horrific things. What is it about this guy that uh, uh, Eagles fans don't recognize? I, I, I mean... <laughs> This is a pretty I, successful franchise over his stewardship. I, I It's amazing to me. Um, is he my favorite guy in the world? No. Is he the best GM in the league? Absolutely not. But I feel like people think he's 32nd, and it's not close. Like, this is the death evil of this franchise. And I'm thinking they won a Super Bowl four years ago, which they had never done before, which of all the people to give the most credit to, he probably is the highest on that list of, of who deserves the credit. Were they great afterwards? Not necessarily, but I look back and I say, man, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback in football. He has one Super Bowl to, to show for it. Most of these guys, Drew Brees, one Super Bowl. Most of these franchises, one Super Bowl, unless you unless you want the Philadelphia Eagles to literally be the Patriots or better, you are going to think this guy stinks then. Um, to me, I've said this on my show, and I get a lot of grief for it. If his name wasn't Howie Roseman and his name was just Bill Smith and he didn't talk the way he talked and didn't look the way he looked, I don't think people would dislike him as much. He just has a look and a like I think there's a lot of bias against his name and his look and you know he has that kind of uh, Cole Hamels went through it the year that he was terrible. He had that, you know, that California sound and people just didn't like him uh because he just didn't pitch all that well and then he would talk and he didn't sound like a guy. I, I feel like Roseman falls into that category uh with this fan base and it's a shame because does he hit on every draft pick? No. But I ask, who does? Who does? Right, who does? Other than Jalen Rager, who is an absolute bomb, 
where have they egregiously missed on a guy where you were like, oh, that guy was right there. I mean, even when they took Marcus Smith, which was horrible, there wasn't another guy within about 10 picks that you would have been like, now that guy would have really helped us out. Like, you make mistakes. And for the mistakes he's made, I don't think someone else is coming in here manipulating the cap the way that he does, bringing guys in for one year, getting them back out of here, setting – look, people said, well, he put them in this situation. Well, some things happened. You know, Aaron Rodgers wanted to leave because he thought his GM was a jerk. He's still there. They're going to have to figure out how to get out of that mess. So, Winston Rod- Roseman didn't get along apparently. Well, guess what? He figured a way to get out of it. Sometimes critical thinking is part of the job. Okay, I made a mistake or somebody don't see. You're not going to see eye to eye with 53 men for 10 straight years. It doesn't no. happen. No. All right. No. To, you, to you two Howie Roseman lovers. And I don't hate <laughs> the guy, but I think you're both going a little over the top here. How much influence does Howie Roseman have on Jalen Rager continuing to play for this football team? That's a fair question. Um, I, my God, I mean. Because I don't we, think it's Nick Sirianni. I don't think Nick Sirianni is going back, breaking down that tape on Monday, going afterwards. Oh, Jalen was good. Ah, Jaylen, that's a bad break. We still think Jalen's going to be a star. Yeah. I think Nick looks at today and goes, man, this guy's hurting us. I got other guys on a bench I could put it. Oh, wait, Howie's on the line? Do oh, I have other guys on the bench, The fact Do that Rager is staying well, in the Jody's, lineup Jody's, he's hurting them. Jody loves Greg Ward like we love Howie Roseman. In fact, more, more. Right, I was going to say, do they have another guy? I mean, we've had this discussion on my show as well with if do they get more if they just put Greg Ward in there? I don't know. Maybe you get three catches for 14 yards instead of no catches for zero. I, I, you, you, it's you a 27-yard catch this week, right? You're right. Oh, I like Ward too, but I would say – you like I him, think... but you just threw his numbers out there. It's three catches for 14 yards. Well, he's talking about it. He's talking move about you a up typical the bad list there, big and, guy. In Mike's defense, he's talking about a typical week, not a right, right, right. Outlier. Generally, Ward is not a week big. Is he doesn't get targeted. Well, right, I don't Ward... think he, he averages 27 uh, yards per reception. Right, yards was targeted. He doesn't yards average 4.2 though. either. He was close last year. <laughs> no, okay, Ward. I like Ward because I think my point with Ward is. He at least is a guy I think uh, Hertz would trust. And he might only get six yards a catch, but it might be a third down and five and he gets six. So I don't have a problem playing Ward. My question, my point is, Jody, I think all the GMs, I talked about with this with John in the past for years. The biggest problem I have with GMs in almost all sports is the fans want you to admit you made a mistake on a draft pick. It's okay to say, we took this guy. We're going to move on because he didn't work out. I think teams all over the league have that problem of saying, we took this guy, you got to keep playing him. Instead of saying, we took this guy and we think we made a mistake and let's move on. They proved they made a mistake, though, by drafting Smith the next year. That was their message. We made a mistake. This guy isn't who we thought he was. And the year before when they said, we drafted our thing at Whiteside and he's no good either. So they have, they've kind of said we've made mistakes. But you're right. Why do they keep playing them? I think that's a perpetual problem all over the league. Why do these guys keep yeah. getting played? And and that's what – and I've told Jody that in the past, Mike. I mean, that is not a Philadelphia Eagles problem. That is an NFL problem. I right. Mean, that, and, and, and here's the issue. It's a self-fulfilling thing. Because, you know, when you see it with Howie Roseman, 
when you miss on a first round pick, you get killed. It doesn't matter if you made up for it with a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick or a sixth right. round pick or a seventh round pick. Nobody cares. They always look at that. That first round pick always has that tag on his on on his neck. That was the first round pick. He failed. Danny Watkins failed. Mark, you mentioned Marcus Smith failed. Um, all around the league, you know, Isaiah Wilson got cut again. He was a first round pick, I think, in Tennessee, which is, you know, everybody's telling me how great Tennessee is now. And uh, hey, they picked a guy who didn't play more than a handful of downs for them in the first round. It happens all over the league. Jeff Gladney's in jail, I think, for domestic abuse. We all know, unfortunately, what happened to, to Henry Ruggs. There are issues. Now, when somebody fails like Jalen Rager fails, he fails because he's just not a good football player. Yeah, that's a hit. That's that's a bad talent evaluation. But as I always said, if you went to the Minnesota Vikings today and said, hey, Wilt Brothers, because you can't talk to Rick Spielman or, or Mike Zimmer, they're going to be out of a job on Monday. Hey, we'll trade you our front office for Justin Jefferson the Vikings would jump, jump, well, jump at that deal. The statement you just made is is the irony here is Minnesota, who everybody's they got Jefferson, they got Jefferson, and, and you got egg on your face. You've been to the playoffs. They're 0 for 2 since they've got Jefferson. Their coach and the guy who drafted Jefferson are going to get fired. Drafting wide receivers is fantasy football. We all like to get excited about skill players. But football fans, you win by drafting offensive. You're going to miss on wide receivers, skill players. When you hit the, – the, the Vikings have Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson, and they can't make the playoffs because they can't draft on the offensive can't line. Block their, line yeah. their line is a joke. So drafting wide receivers is fun, but it's fantasy football. When you get one – look, if I told you, Jody – you could have a quarterback with 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 100. You'd say, sure. And then I'd say, it's Kirk Cousins. And you'd say, yeah, I don't need that guy. So, like, they have an offense where they put up these big yards. I don't know that Justin Jefferson, I'm not knocking the guy, is he putting up 1,500 yards in this offense? No. 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 Not at all. Not, but, again, Here's the question that I would have for you guys as far as Jalen Rager goes. Which is worse, keeping him, continuing to put him out there, watching him drop footballs, actually hurting the team? Negative yards last week. Negative. Not zero. Negative yards last week. Or putting him on the bench within a year, moving on from him. Which does Howie Roseman get more critiqued for? continuing to put him out there on the field. And yes, I think we all agree how he is influencing the coaching staff. And I, I don't agree changes. with that. I don't, agree you don't think that. so. You no. think Nick Sirianni is the one who's making, I think, Nick Sirianni, I think Nick Sirianni would bench Jalen Rager yesterday. If he thought somebody else gave him a better chance to win. I, I firmly believe that. Now I'm not going to tell you that at the beginning of the season, you know, one of the reasons Nick was brought here was to uh, obviously be the head coach of the, this team, but he spent a lot of time with the receiving group, and that was his history in training camp to the point where I pointed out, I said, why is this guy spending so much time with this receiving group? Uh, they really wanted him to work with this group, and they really wanted Jalen Rager to succeed. 
But once you got into the nuts and bolts of the season and, you know, Nick has done what he's wanted to do. Nobody went up to Nick Sirianni. We all know Jeffrey Lurie's mentality. He doesn't want this offense, believe me. Um, he 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 reassessed at two and five and said that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, we we can't win games throwing the football. We got to scale this back and take advantage of our offensive line. I believe Nick Sirianni deserves a lot of credit for that. Jeffrey Glory doesn't want that. Howie Roseman doesn't want that. But right now, that's what they're equipped to do. Nick Sirianni's trying to win football games. I I truly believe that. And if he believed benching Jalen Rager would help him win football games, he would bench Jalen Rager. He scaled back his playing time. Not not a whole hell of a lot. I think that just Jody speaks to that. I don't think he thinks he has anybody else. I mean, I agree. I like Ward. I've had the discussion on my show. Why not just play Ward? You're at least getting some production, a guy that you know, like Hurts trust that he can throw the ball to Ward. Ward's going to catch it. He might not give you big plays, but it's one of those things. I think a lot of times these coaches get enamored with the fact that every once in a while, maybe it's once every Jeez. 10 games, Jeez. we can give him a jet Jeez. sweep and he'll blast off the corner and hit for a 60-yarder. Or we can hit a seam pass where nobody's paying attention to him and bang. I, I don't get it. I Personally, I agree with you, Jody. I would probably give Ward more playing time in the offense just because this offense is so basic and safe. Not, I don't want to say basic. It's just they run a lot. So when they pass, having a sure-handed guy to catch the ball is, to me, optimal. I mean, last week, it's a tough catch. I'm not knocking him for not catching the ball. But for God's sakes, Rieger, it hits off his forearms. Like, he's not even – like athletic enough to get his hands in the right spot to catch the ball. Like my girlfriend's yeah, son is 13 when he terrible. falls down in the backyard and gets his hands on the ball. Yeah. And this is, I, I don't want to defend Jalen Rager because he's played poorly, but I'm just trying to say the coaching staff thinks it's the best opportunity to win. Now to your point, Jody, he topped out playing 86% of the snaps against Dallas. The first game he's been over 80 numerous times. The last three weeks, it's been 55, 51, 51. They've curtailed his playing time. They have said, this guy's not doing what we need him to do. So they have curtailed his playing time. But I, I, you know, and I talk about this all the time, a big part of, and, and Nick has explained this to us, a big part of the running game is the spacing. It's Jalen Hurts on the backside. It's the plus one. It's the guys who can run. It's why they play 13 personnel, two reasons. They don't necessarily have Devontae. Sometimes they do if they want to throw the ball. But if they don't want to throw the ball, they want somebody with speed. They want somebody uh, to be able to set the edge. But you never want to talk about blocking or spacing when you're talking about an NFL wide receiver. So there's two different questions here. Jalen Rager's unquestionably a failure as a first-round pick in the NFL. Is Nick Sirianni being forced to play him, though? I, I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. Otherwise, he's lying straight to my face on a consistent basis. And he doesn't lie with other things. All right, well, hey, that, if, if you believe that Nick Sirianni is in charge and Howie Roseman is backed off influencing, fine. Well, then here's my uh, stance. Shame on Nick Sirianni. Well, that's who okay, I think. You, that, move the, that's you who want I me think... to move the blame card? Yes. Nick Sirianni, done. 
Nick, why the hell is Jalen yeah. Rager continuing to play? And I get yeah, about Howie. Answer hey. me to the, have the coach explain it to me. And I Let think me... that's a more valid criticism. Okay, now I. I've never coached NFL football, but I am wearing my championship hat. I did win a World Series this summer, boys, okay? And we had this lunch. We would have this breakfast every morning, and we'd go over the lineup. And you'd have a guy who's not doing anything. But you'd like, the other guy, you know you're not doing anything. This guy is there. was there for the original reason is we thought we'd be the best version of ourselves. It's our job as the coaches to get that out of him and that's where the coaches put it on them, Jody, where they believe, the coaches believe they can get Rager to be the best version of himself. It's not happening, but they always deep down say, I can be the guy. And that's why these first-round picks keep getting chance after chance after chance because the coaches believe, sign that guy, I'll get it out of him. And right now they're not getting it out of him. They're not because he's no. – Rager to me is uh, – I don't know if it's a mental thing now. I mean, Jody, you've been around this town forever. These guys get gobbled up by the fans here, and they just can't get out of their head. And I think he's in that spot now. Is he a talent? I watched him play a lot at TCU. I'm a big 12 guy, West Virginia. When they drafted him, I didn't think it was that big of a problem. He was shot out of a cannon. The problem I have with him here is he doesn't look like he has any game day speed. Like, he never looks like he has a gear where you're like that's why they took him never he doesn't look like he has this straight ahead speed he doesn't have good game day speed to me and that's why they took him yeah it's a good point and and probably too much Jalen Rager talk so I want to shift to the players who can play Mike and uh are they gonna play against the Dallas Cowboys the key components of this team and would you play him where where is your where do you land in the old rest versus rust argument with the playoffs looming? And it's interesting to have a potential. Now the Eagles could be the sixth seed, most likely the seventh yeah. seed. You don't often see a seventh seed or a sixth seed resting for the playoffs because you don't have to play for anything in the final week of the season. Yeah, typically, I mean, I think it's a year-to-year, week-to-week type of thing. Like this year, playing the three games in such a short span like they did, to get here, I think I'm definitively sitting the guys this week. I mean, this is a team that has had injury issues for the last three seasons up and down the roster. They haven't had as many this year injury-wise, you know, they other than the interior guards where they played like five right guards and four left guards. They really have been healthy on the offensive line. So I'm not taking a chance of getting any of my guys up front hurt um, or any, I mean, quite frankly, um, I'm not using, you know, Fletcher Cox. I'm not using Josh Sweat, Darius Slay. I can't get those guys hurt in the last game here. So, seeding for me, I'm sure you guys have discussed who's a better matchup. Pick your poison. I mean, I think the Rams roster is probably a little bit more talented right now than the Buccaneers. But do I really want to say, yeah, I'd love to go play Tom Brady on the road. So, it's like, eh, I don't know which, which one is – 220, 221, whatever it takes on that one, you know? It's just kind of like – so I'm just letting the cards be dealt to me. However they are, I'm going to sit my guys. Do you believe that Nick Sirianni is being influenced as to who to play or not to play? Or is Howie Roseman, much like with Jalen Rager, saying, Coach, it's on you, bud. You've done a great job. You've gotten us to this point, into the playoffs. You completely decide who is going to play and not play this week. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe that's an organizational type of decision. Does the organization get together and say, hey, we're going to play these guys or not? I don't know that the, uh, quite frankly, I talked about this on my show a couple weeks ago, like two weeks ago. Now, I was a little early to the playoff party. I've been talking about them making the playoffs for quite some time now. People sending me the Jim Mora gifts. I get them almost every single morning. Like, are you kidding me? You're talking about the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. I said back in the preseason, this team would probably be a playoff team. That being said, where does Jeff Lurie look at his team and his organization right now and say, we're pretty darn good. Like, what does he think about that? You just said, John, they don't like this offense. They don't want this offense. What does he think about where his team is right now? So in other words, do they care if they're the sixth seed or the seventh seed? They're just in the party. I thought Jeff Mosher brought up an interesting point. Now that you're the seventh playoff team in years, does making the playoffs feel as big anymore if you're the seventh seed? Like if you say, we've been to the playoffs four out of five years. Well, yeah, you were the seventh seed one year. You won nine games three times to get in. I mean, where does the organization stand? Like if they, do they want to say, no, we want to get to 10 wins. We want to say we won 10. So I think there might be a little bit of that conversation if the front office, Jody, is involved in the conversation. Or they might just say, look, we're not beating yeah. Dallas. We don't want to show anything to them. Let them just kind of steamroll us and have their fun. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, the seventh because I've heard that as well. With the seventh seed, it's not as important as it's not as 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 uh, a bigger standard as it once was. You know, that's similar to the schedule argument to me. Well, the Eagles beat a lot of bad teams. They didn't beat good teams. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. They changed the rules. Under well, the Jody, I mean, God, on that, on the on that, I I looked because I saw that last night. I said nobody's beaten anybody. I mean, Dallas has eleven wins. They beat the same teams Philadelphia did, yeah. plus New England, yeah. who they beat back in October at the time. I looked at this yesterday. Twenty-two of the thirty-two teams have nine wins or less. So if you look at most teams' schedules, most teams aren't beating anybody. How many teams yeah. on your schedule? have multiple or, or double-digit wins if 22 teams in the league only have nine or fewer. So if you look at – I think the Tennessee Titans have seven wins against playoff teams. So by that account, they would be the team that you'd be impressed by the most. Yeah, and nobody is, interestingly enough. And and they look at Tennessee, and maybe they'll, they'll make a run towards the playoff. But I still think people look at Kansas City to fall to that on the AFC side. Um, but you're right. I mean, the definition of good teams in this league really is you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And um, well, and keep in mind, New York and Washington could have taken advantage of a poor schedule. They weren't good enough to do it. Well, they don't have as good a GMs. <laughs> That's it. You know, the NFC East is perfect because, you know, the context of the entire league, which is where we bring up the Howie Roseman discussion. You know, okay, you know, you start going down, you start flipping off teams, you can't get out of your own division. I, I would bet to my bottom dollar, every Eagles fan would not rather have the the front offices in Dallas, New York, and Washington, but I don't know why they can't see it. Uh, back to the, uh, the actual game, though, Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys week, not as exciting as it once was, obviously, Mike. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you got to talk about the quarterback. Um, 
doesn't make a lot of sense. He's still on the injury report with the ankle injury. He he looked good, especially on the one run against the Washington football team. But uh, it's evident that the Eagles have scaled back his his influence on the running game uh, since the injury. Any need to put him out there? He's still a young quarterback. But, you know, he's still developing. He still needs as much playing time as possible. Right. What, what's your thought process there? That's interesting because, you know, a couple weeks ago, there were like three or four games left. And it's like, are these four games, like he's already played 16 and then another four. It's like, are these four games, because I was like, oh, these are big four games for him. Were those four games going to make or break their decision for what to do with him? You know, like you got, it's 20 games, the demarcation line, is it 25? So how much does this game factor in? Have they already made a decision on him for next year? Is it a playoff game, how he performs there? So if you're just saying, we just want to get to the playoffs healthy, then you don't play him. He's your starting quarterback. But if you want to evaluate him more, which I don't know why you would with a bunch of backups if you're going that route, um, and if he's not 100%, like I wouldn't play Jalen Hurts in this game. I've made my decision. Unless I can make some sort of very fair trade in my direction, which I don't see happening. I mean, Deshaun Watson, that whole mess, I don't think that gets resolved. Russell Wilson – maybe they can pull off something there, but it doesn't sound like, you know, this is the place that he's, you know, wants to go. I don't think you'll be involved for Aaron Rodgers. I'm sticking with Hertz and I'm taking my three draft picks and building around him. I'm not drafting a quarterback in this particular draft. So I've seen enough of Hertz to make it, make me feel I'm okay rolling with him for another year. So I would not play him in this game. If my decision is to not play the other starters. Now, if I'm going to play everybody, I'm going to play him with them. All right, on that decision whether to play, to play or not to play, that is the question. Um, some of the guys we've had here on Birds 365, some of the guys I have had on my uh, WIP shows this week have gone above and beyond respect for the Dallas Cowboys, almost to the level of fear of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, that they would be the worst team for the Eagles to match up in the first round. Well, if you truly do believe that you're the Eagles, I'm not sure they do, but if they do, don't you want to beat the Cowboys to assure the fact that you won't get them in the playoffs because you're afraid of them? Because if you don't beat them, then you bring into the possibility that the Cowboys could jump up to number two and the Eagles could be at number seven and you could end up catching them. The only way the Eagles and the Cowboys meet in the playoffs this week is if the Cowboys win this game. If the Eagles win this game, they're guaranteed to not play the Cowboys in the yeah. first round. And if some people are afraid of playing the Cowboys, wouldn't you play hard to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, I don't know that the Eagles agree with the guests. That's part of the thing. Do they? I say this, Jody, and I agree. I think the Cowboys have the most talented team. Their problem is they have the worst coach. I mean, and in the NFL, that matters. You know, I've had and fights he's, with he's, people. He's still going to be the coach this week, right? Right. (laughs) He's terrible. He's terrible. I mean, what he got undressed on Sunday. That was an embarrassment, that field goal situation. For them to be where they are with that roster, they should be the number one seed going away with that team. They have the best roster, in my opinion. Um, That coach is terrible. He's awful. Garrett was a complete buffoon, and he's nearly Jason Garrett. So, if I get into a situation and I have to play them, I almost feel like I can out-coach that guy because coaching in the NFL does have a big impact. So 
if I'm playing they're, – they're, for them to get the two seed, though, they need a lot of things to go their way, right? Don't they need yeah. the Rams to lose? Yeah, they, they need, need the Bucs to lose, the Rams to lose, yeah. Right. right. So, but if, if the Eagles win the game, then they guarantee they're not playing the Cowboys. That right. would eliminate even the possibility. If the Cowboys win, there's a – I think it's two out Small, hours. very small chance. You know what, though? I might go in with the possibility of beating a team three times is difficult. Go ahead and land base me and then try to yeah. beat me three times in a row. Yeah. Well, that, you know, last one for me, MG, uh, and, and listen to Mike every afternoon on 97.3 ESPN South Jersey down the shore. Um, if you had your druthers, if you got to pick, there's four potential possibilities. Who would you pick? Tampa Bay, Dallas, we mentioned, the L.A. Rams, the Arizona Cardinals. I know who I'd pick. It has to do with a coach, but a different coach than you just said. Oh, if I'm going between those four, I'd probably go Arizona. Yeah, um, I've been I've been talking about Arizona leaking oil for a while now, which yes. is another reason why I thought the loss that Dallas had on Sunday was just so exasperating. I mean, that's a team that's banged up. They're down three offensive linemen. They're down Hopkins and Moore and Connor on offense. They got three guys out on defense. They lost three in a row. They're on the road, and they basically come in and bamboozle you. I, I mean, to me though, I think Arizona's the team that I'd rather play. They're not a great home team either. So if I get a shot to play Arizona, that's the team I feel like I'd rather match up with. And as you mentioned. Kingsbury, who's not a great game manager either, completely outfoxed the other idiot on the other. I can't understand how <laughs> McCarthy still gets it. I mean, that's one thing. Like when you watch a game as a fan, sometimes like there's certain things like you take pride in. Like, I feel like I'd be a really good game manager, calling timeouts, working the clock. Like if I stood next to a coach and just told him when to take timeouts and do all, like I had that. I can't understand some of the things that guy does when I watch a Cowboy. I say, they'll never win with this guy. Never. That's why Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl, because of that idiot is his coach. I can't understand it, guys. Can't understand it. <laughs> Miguel, now, good uh, job. We appreciate you coming on board. Uh, thanks much. Uh, we will talk to you down the road. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Mike Gill from 97.3 the, uh, ESPN down the shore. All right. Mac and Mac guys coming back. We're still looking forward to the Eagles and the Cowboys, but even more so the playoffs the week after. Stay with us here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good day, everyone. It's Joe Krause from the Jacob Media Network here at Neck of the Woods. Uh, so excited to introduce Krause's Coat Check, a cold IPA. It's just an incredible thing. I'm in my 18th year of Krause's Coats and with Brian's help and uh, Frank coming together here at Neck of the Woods. Krause's Coat Check, a cold IPA, was born on this day. We'll celebrate it on January 11th, and everyone is invited to enjoy or to meet and experience the entire Jacob Media team, and also experience Krause's Coaching, a cold IPA. Gentlemen, a toast, I think, to you for producing Krause's Coaching here at Neck of the Woods. Cheers. Cheers. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. J-Mac here with you with, with J-Mac. We are the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. Got uh, John Michota scheduled to join us next hour. Give us a cowboy perspective. He covers the boys day in and day out uh, for the athletic. Uh, our buddy Mike Gill, thank him for coming on. But he did say something that um, I've heard way too many times, and it's just factually incorrect. Um, he said it's and talking about if the Eagles and the Cowboys were to play again in the playoffs, Cowboys win. It's tough to beat a team three times in one year. I don't agree with that. If you're better. (laughs) And and you can always have an opinion. And then you solidify it by looking at the actual facts. And uh, since they went to uh, the, well, actually, since I think the the two leagues merged, the AFL and the NFL, um, there have been 19 times in a season where a team has matched up for a third time. It's got to be a team within your division. Otherwise, you wouldn't play them two times during the regular season. So it kind of limits the possibilities. So it's happened 19 times over the year. The team that won the first two meetings has won the third meeting 12 out of the 19 times. Yeah, and so generally. Where, where do well, you come up the- with? It's hard to beat a team three times. No, actually, the percentages increase on what is the usual 50-50 split anytime. Well, he gets it from it because it's a cliche in the league. When teams talk about division rivals, coaches always say, it's tough to beat a team three times. So it kind of permeates in your your brain. Now, typically, if you have evenly matched uh, division foes. Yeah. It's, you know, you're going to, but you're probably going to split the first two to begin with uh, and not get there. If you're a good team, look, I wish I green Bay is who I used the ex- example with, you know, people forget how bad green Bay was in between Bart star and Brett Favre for the vast majority of a two decade period period. Um, you know, they even played some home games at Milwaukee County Stadium for years. You know, people talk about, you know, because people didn't want to see them. That's how bad they were. They wouldn't want to go to Lambeau Field. Um, and, you know, the legendary home field advantage, which you will see in these playoffs, which, by the way, is real uh, because nobody wants to go to Green Bay uh, in the winter. It, it's It can be awful. And you kind of saw that uh, on on Sunday night as well. I, I think it was four or five degrees, whatever it was. Um, you know, nobody wants to go there. But if you don't have a good football. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It doesn't matter. In a, in a more local uh, perspective, look, when the Eagles were good, really good, Lincoln Financial Field was a really tough place to come into and play. It, it, it's not necessarily the case when they're not as good. And the same thing happens throughout the league. If you're a good football team, yeah, line them up a third time and you're much better. You're going to whip them again. Uh, I I agree with your sentiment there. But, yeah, I mean, that is a cliche in the NFL. It's tough to beat a team three times. And that's where uh, people get that, and it's understandable. And most times cliches are accurate. That They are cliches because they're based in reality. This is one that's based in a falsehood. It just isn't accurate. We have a good enough sample of results to say, yeah, no, that's not true. Uh, whoever said that first and whoever continued to perpetuate it is just flat out wrong when the numbers are 12 out of 19 times the team that's won the first two games won- wins the third game. All right, uh, J-Mac, I got a couple questions for you on the young guys um, because we know the main reason why the Eagles would not play uh, some of their starters is to protect them, to make sure that they are 100% healthy, don't have an injury in the final almost meaningless regular season game before the biggest game of the year, which is the first playoff game. So you're going to get, get to see some guys who haven't been playing all that much uh, over the last couple of weeks, the entire year varies with the individuals I'll bring up. How much playing time is your guy, Andre Dillard going to get this uh, Saturday against the Cowboys? I think quite a bit. I mean, if my assumption comes true and the Eagles are trying to rest their significant players, again, even if you want to start uh, Jordan Mailata, you pull him early uh, first quarter and you go to Andre Dillard, that's a natural uh, progression at left tackle. You mentioned Landon Dickerson, his issues. Well, you have, you have Sue Opeta that you can rely on. Um We'll see about Jason Kelsey, if he can get off the COVID list, if he can't, or, you know, you have Brett Todd, you have Nate Herbig, who's on COVID. We'll see if he gets off. Uh, Raven Clark can play right tackle. They have Jack Anderson. Um, that's that's what you're going to look. Inter- you know, you mentioned running backs in, in COVID, Jody. Well, Dallas Goddard's on COVID, and so is Jack Stoll. So they're down to Tyree Jackson, a tight end. So, you know, we're finally going to get to see Tyree Jackson when Howie Roseman talked about him and all that kind of 
uh, when they traded Zach Ertz and he brought up uh, Tyree Jackson out of nowhere. The Eagles really haven't used him because they don't throw the football that much, and Dallas Goddard plays so much, and when they do, they throw it to him. They have Noah Tagai on the practice squad. Richard Rodgers is still here. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a a cool little preseason environment <laughs> on it's, national TV in a big time uh, TV uh, uh, frame. Uh, and I, I'd like to see Tyree Jackson. I've been waiting to see Tyree Jackson. He did uh, what? What game was it that he dropped the ball? He had one thrown to him. Yeah, I, was it yeah, one of the Giant games or was it one of the Washington games? I don't remember. They played both of those teams so often in the last six weeks. They they all seem like the same game to me. Shame on me for not being able to pinpoint exactly what it was. But, yeah, I'm waiting to see the guy play because uh, two reasons. Number one, guys like yourself and other guys we had on during the the preseason sung his praises on how good he looked in camp way back when. Yes, we did start Birds 365 when the Eagles were in camp. and also, yes, Harry Roseman, we traded Zach Ertz, specifically mentioned Tyree Jackson. Yeah, I'd like to get a look at the guy this week, and I think that's a foregone conclusion. But if they can get stole off uh, the COVID list, he's going to come back and play, isn't he? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's a guy. He's a guy you would want. Uh, you would want to play. And you know, there's a lot of guys on defense: Teron Jackson, Milton Williams. Uh, Marlon, Tui Pelotu, Cameron Malvo, who I mentioned. You know, you got Patrick Johnson you want to look at. Jacoby Stevens, they already elevated. Uh, Zach McPherson, as I mentioned. You got all those corners that we never see. Tate Gowan, Carrie Vincent, our buddy Mac McCain, who doesn't know he's our buddy, but he's our buddy. Josiah Scott. They got 100 corners we've never seen. Um so they got a lot of guys they could play on defense. Um, so I, you know, it all comes down to what you know Nick Sirianni believes. He mentioned seven times, Jody. Um, he he's been in a play-in game as an assistant somewhere in his career. He said six or seven, I think it was. Uh, only one time was he with a team that clinched early. And it was, I think, the 2010, I I think I'm right on the year, the 2010 Chiefs um, when Todd Haley was the head coach. And he said they played their guys. um, They didn't have to. They lost week 17, and they lost the first round of the playoffs. Now, didn't give any, but that's, you know, there is no right answer. But I, I think the right answer for the Eagles and what they come up with is that they're going to rest as many key guys as possible. You ran down a list of the uh, reserve, some on active duty, some on the practice squad, cornerbacks that the Eagles have. They've got more at least under contract depth at that position than any on the entire football team. You got a feeling as to how they think about those guys in a preferential order? that one or two of them, they would think that if uh, we were to make changes, this guy could step in, don't bring back Steven Nelson next year, blah, blah, blah. Have you been either through your own very small sample visual uh, ability to check out practice and or working your sources around the team? They got a uh, specific way that they would rank those guys that 
um, they have right now on the team? And can we draw any conclusions from who's going to play this week? Because, yeah, I think that there's a good chance Darius Slay doesn't play at all. Maybe Steven Nelson starts and they protect him too. And a whole bunch of guys get a chance to jump into the game. Not that many because it's still a 47-man roster, as you pointed out several times this week, which is dead on. Um, how much do we learn this week of what the Eagles think about those cornerbacks they've got uh, by who does or doesn't play, who is or isn't on the active roster? Well, Zach McPherson's definitely number one. He's the backup outside corner. So, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the most positive things for the Eagles this season has been Darius Slay for the most part and uh, Steven Nelson have been healthy. Darius had a couple concussion issues, but was able to get back and through the protocol um, was a little banged up as well one week, but was able to play. So they haven't had to, because uh, I think it could have gotten bad if those guys weren't out there. Because despite the numbers of the depth you just mentioned, I don't think they have a lot of confidence in any of those guys that they're ready to play right now. So, but in, in this small sample, when Slay had to leave early, uh, uh, one game it was Zach McPherson. Um, and he remains uh, the number one outside backup, outside corner backup. And then Josiah Scott sort of backs up Abonte Maddox in the slot. He's more of a natural slot corner. And then the other guys, Kerry Vincent and, and Tay Gowan, who they got in the trade uh, for Zach Ertz and Mac McCain. I mean, uh, that's just throwing darts and they see some young guys that have some athleticism. Um, you know, you learn something when Sean Bradley was out and Andre Sachere were out because they're, they're two best uh, special teams players. And from a special teams perspective, they went with Kerry Vincent, but I don't think that tells you a lot about the cornerback position. And then we haven't even brought Craig James is still here. Um, you know, he famously of the breaking up Aaron Rodgers at the goal line in the game uh, uh, in Green Bay. Um, he's still here. So they have a lot of bodies at corner, but not a lot of bodies you'd feel comfortable with if you had to play him, especially with the way Darius Slay's been playing. And Steven Nelson doesn't get enough credit. Not a great player, but solid. And let me ask you about Steven Nelson, because uh, this is one area that I gave your guy, Howie Roseman, a ton of credit, because, damn, if it, from, from day one when we started Birds 365 back uh, this year, uh, one of the main topics on a day-in, day-out basis, we punch up an Eagle guest, who's going to be CB2 for the Philadelphia Eagles? We knew Darius Slay was going to be cornerback one. We had no idea who was going to be. And the Eagles had not made a move yet to fill that spot. And we threw out the names that were still available for during free agency. And one of the ones that we kept harping on was Steven Nelson and Steven Nelson and Steven Nelson. And uh, it was all just a matter of when is Nelson going to compromise? Chances are he wants seven or eight million dollars. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he signed for like four and change with the Eagles this year. One yeah, year they got a bargain. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I'll look it up real quick, but I think it was, yeah, I think it was right around four 
Um, right. And there were reports out there that his asking price was more like seven or eight. Yeah. And nobody in the league was willing to pay him, including the Eagles, who had a desperate need. But they held out, held out, held out, held out. Finally, Nelson wanted to get something done and knew what team he was going to join. And the Eagles had a suit, a presumably the best offer on the table. And he decided to come here. That was Howie Roseman showing a lot of patience, playing the waiting game. And he, chances are he got Stephen Nelson. Give him, don't give him credit. Don't give him credit. Don't do it, Jody. Don't do uh, it. Going to get a lot of hate. When, when he earns it, he's got to get credit. And he certainly earned it in that particular. What is all I'm doing? One little transaction he made. A little bit bigger than little. Uh, I was a really good and impactful transaction he made. He handled them perfectly. And he got them for the price. And I've been really impressed with the season that he's had. I know it's Darius' big play, Slay, on the other side, who has had, yes, bigger plays. But Nelson's done a pretty darn good job as well. And there's so many different ways to look at and grade cornerbacks. I think he's been really good. I would love to see him back here with the Eagles next year. Um, how how possible is that? Did, did he play well enough that he's going to price himself out of the Eagles? Is he going to be a much-valued commodity on the free agent market, which he really wasn't this past offseason? What do you think the chances are of Nelson coming back to this team next year? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it depends. Generally, when the, I don't think he's outplayed where his market put him. So, I mean, that's one that you mentioned. And it was actually three, just over three million. So it's even a better deal than we had speculated. But, um, you know, Stephen, you're right. He was a starter uh, and and he was getting about, I think it was seven and a half. Uh, and he was trying. That was what he wanted that money somewhere else. He felt he was a starter, a legitimate starter in the NFL. And by the way, he's right. Um, but, you know, it's what the market bears. And he was on the market for a very long time and he wasn't able to get uh, the number that he wanted. Now, you, you said he gave, I don't know if the Eagles gave him the best offer, but what they could offer, and I remember we talked about this at the time, um, what they could offer him to was a clear path to playing time. Start, yeah, knew, starting position, right. Yeah, and he knew he was going to be able to start opposite Darius Slay, get an opportunity here. And that was that was probably bigger than the contract for convincing him to come here because now he is going to go back on the open market. And he'll get an opportunity to see where other teams value him. Do I think he should get more than $3 million, just over $3 million? Yeah. I mean, he's a competent starting corner in this league. We'll see what the market says, though. If, the Eagle, if he's back in the conversation – the Eagles can't feel comfortable in saying, okay, we're going to go with Zach McPherson. Now, they have three first-round picks. They might go out and get a corner in the first round of the draft, and that changes everything. But So there's a lot of things that have to sort of unfold. Uh, and this is a question that uh, I almost feel bad asking you because I haven't contemplated it, but it just came to mind as we're talking about Stephen Nelson here. Of the players who are scheduled to be free agents, and again, I know I'm risking here because I'm going to give some credit to Howie Roseman. He's already locked up a couple of guys uh, who had potential free agency coming up this offseason. Um, and I think he's done so quite nicely with uh, at least uh, market value deals, if not team friendly deals. Uh, but there are a couple of guys left that are going to be free agents uh, at the end of this year. 
of the ones that the Eagles want back, who do you have the most fear that they're going to lose? Oh boy, they don't have a lot of they they really and there's another reason why, as you mentioned, Howie's top five. They locked up the guys they wanted early at cost effective rates, uh, but ignore that stuff by all means. I'm not talking to you, Jody, but <laughs> talking to other people. Um uh, I think, and I'm just trying to pull it up as we talk, uh, da, 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 14, 14 free agents. Obviously, number one, uh, potential free agents, number one is Jason Kelsey. That has to do with him deciding if he wants to play. Nothing more, nothing less. He's not going to play anywhere else. The Eagles will certainly like him back. Um, does he want to play? But I don't know. Um, and well, that to me is a totally different conversation, but he would obviously be the one they most want back. The other guys, there is nobody you're going to wring your hands about losing, literally. Uh, Rodney McLeod is a veteran, very well-liked player, but they want to get better. They want to get better with Anthony Harris as well on the back end. We talked about Derek Barnett. It's going to be interesting to see where he is on the open market, what kind of money he gets. We talked about Steve Nelson. Then you're in the Ryan Kerrigan's, the Son Ridgeways. You know, does it matter? Boston Scott, Alex Singleton, some of the younger players. Um, you know, this team is set up as far as free agency goes, which well, is there are a couple names that it intrigued me. Boston Scott being one of them. Well, Singleton. I like Boston another. Scott, but we're talking about a third team running back at the end of the day. It's nice to have, but I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna but lose that's, sleep. That's part of what has given Howie Roseman the John McMullen high value status oh, is man. he's good with those fringe guys. Those players that aren't yes, starters, but good. step it, in and contribute, and Boston Scott is one of them. He is, and uh, but again, if you, I'm, I'm also going to be realistic about it. And if by some strange estimation somebody comes in with a massive contract for Boston Scott, I don't think you're going to lose sleep over it. But I, don't, but two things: it's not going to happen, and if the Eagles want him back, they'll get him back. That's something we will see during the offseason. First thing first, they got to play the Cowboys on Saturday. And joining us next to give us a Cowboy insight is a guy who covers them day in and day out for the Athletic. John Machota is going to join us here on Birds 365. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hanging in with Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hey, it's Eagles Cowboys week. Yet it doesn't feel like it. At least it doesn't for me. We'll see if that's the case. Down in Big D, John Michauda covers the Cowboys beat on a day-in, day-out basis for the Athletic. Are they getting all pumped up down in Dallas because it's Cowboys week, John? No, no, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that sense at all. Now, for us, it's a little bit different right now, too, because for the last couple of weeks, we've been just doing interviews like we're kind of doing this right now, uh, you know, via Zoom. So you don't get the same feel as when you're out at the facility. But I, I get the sense that the offense is eager to get out there and put a better product on the field than they showed against Arizona. Now, do they need to do that for four quarters? I don't think so. I think they can probably do that maybe in the first half, uh, kind of get, you know, some good mojo going and, and that'll be it for that game. But uh no, I don't get the sense that this is anything like uh, some previous Cowboys-Eagles weeks where, um, you know, there's a lot on the line or anything like that. So, John, you bring that up. So we'll start with uh, Jerry Jones, and he was the one who obviously does his stuff on the radio twice a week. So he came out pretty quickly and said, we're going to play this week. We're going to play to win. And generally what, you know, Jerry wants done is done. Now, he didn't say that we're going to play the entire game. So it sounds like you're saying, maybe a third, the old school third preseason mm -hmm. environment where you have the starters for a quarter or two, and then you start subbing out. Is that the way you think the Cowboys are going to handle it? I do. I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be playing uh, uh, Dak Prescott, who it's, it's one thing if this was like a year or two ago and, and Dak didn't have any injuries, but Dak's coming off of, he had the ankle injury that he entered the season with. He's had a, a shoulder issue in training camp. Then he had a calf issue that, Really, he hasn't been the same since he's come back from that. So 
playing him four quarters in this game doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, and then you go to the running game, which has been, I mean, just very unimpressive, especially from a Cowboys standpoint with the way this team's built. And your two top rushers and Ezekiel Ola and Tony Pollard are both dealing with injuries as well. So, yeah, I, I can see getting them some touches early, but why would you want to put any more wear and tear on them when you're going to need them uh, in the playoffs? Because this offense isn't getting back on track unless they get the running game back on track. And I don't know how you do that with, with, with a dinged up Ezekiel Elliott and a dinged up uh, Tony Pollard. Well, then that's quasi good news for the head coach of the Cowboys, who, by the way, was eviscerated here hour one <laughs> of our show. He doesn't have to worry about a guy getting hurt because if a guy gets hurt playing in the first half, he says, well, Jerry told me to. He kind of set the tone for it this week by dictating ahead of time. We got to go out and try and win. If I'm in Mike uh, McCarthy's shoes, I'm feeling good about my decision. Yeah, it was interesting because after the game, he didn't want to get into what their plan would be going into this Eagles game. And uh, he then when we had a chance to talk to him on Monday, he said that they had talked about it and that this was their plan. They wanted to build some momentum because of just the way things went against the Cardinals, you know, and, and it's kind of like the Eagles where, you know, the Cowboys are on a nice win streak, but you have, it's, it's hard to sit there and look at it and not factor in who you're beating, you know? And so this Cardinals game that they just played was supposed to be kind of your barometer of where you're at going into the playoffs, because that's the type of team you're going to face in the playoffs. Well, not only is that the type of team, it looks like that's going to be the exact same team uh, that they end up playing again. And so uh, to play the way that they did, with that Cardinals team not having DeAndre Hopkins, not having Marcus Golden, uh, they didn't have Jordan Phillips. I mean, there's this isn't like this is some full-strength Cardinals team, and it's not like it's a Cardinals team that was playing well on top. I mean, they just lost in Detroit. Three so, games. Yeah, yeah, it, it just it, – that, that's yeah. – that. I think that – I'm bringing that up because that factors into this. I think it left a really bad taste in their mouth, especially at home. Uh, you know, the primetime, you know – 3:30 game that you know national televised game and for them to kind of lay the egg that they did where their offense really didn't show up until right at the end then you lose Michael Gallup on top of it uh, I, I just think this is they're going to try and get right uh, early on in this game yeah how big is that Michael Gallup injury and and did that have the Cowboys rethinking this and saying uh you know we just lost a a big time playmaker to a torn ACL and anything can happen and Look, the number two seed is still in play, but a lot of things have to happen. So it's not probably not realistic. Uh, why bother? Why bother at all to when it comes to the key guys, especially in the wake of the, the Michael Gallup injury? No, it's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of us down here asking the same exact thing. Um, in I will say that is their deepest position by far. Uh, Cedric Wilson can step into that spot and, and, and produce. Uh, I, he's not as good of a player as Michael Gallup but I don't think the drop-off is going to be significant. I mean, when he had to step into that role earlier in the year, uh, they went 6-1 and one without Michael Gallup. I mean, that was when the offense was playing its best. So uh, it obviously is a tough loss because he's, he's a really good player. He's capable of being a 1,000-yard receiver. He's capable of being the type of guy that could have double-digit touchdowns. It just it hasn't happened this year for this offense. And, and that's, that's the big thing because the whole goal all season was to get to this point healthy. And relatively speaking, they are. But I think they felt like – if we got here healthy, our offense would be playing a lot better than it is right now. And the way that they're going into the playoffs, they're just there. There just doesn't appear to be any of answers where, yeah, those are fine to beat the giants and beat Washington. But I don't know if what the way they're playing an offense is going to be good enough to beat uh, uh, playoff caliber teams. And so I think that's the major reason why uh, they want to get that offense out there for at least a little bit in this game to try and get it clicking. 
All right, John, uh, kind of breaking news yesterday. I know uh, that you had to be all over it. Micah Parsons ends up on the COVID list. Uh, both John and I were a little surprised that he was tested at a time when he couldn't have enough time to return and be able to play in this game. I'm sure you noticed the Eagles had 12 guys test positive <laughs> on Monday, which means they could potentially be back before the game. Gives Eagles a lot of roster flexibility. Uh, does this mean Micah Parsons is not asymptomatic? I know that they keep these things pretty tight under wraps, but uh, maybe you got a pretty good source. Uh, what's the deal with Micah Parsons? Is this something he's just going to – he could have been uh, skipped to play the game anyway, and this just uh, locks in the fact that he's not going to play. Uh, give us how it came down over the last 24 hours in Dallas. Yeah, I don't know how far it is in terms of the symptoms, but I know that he wanted to play in this game because, I mean, he's locked up NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I, and I do think NFL Defensive Player of the Year got locked up by T.J. Watt on Monday night when he had the four sacks, but – if Micah Parsons goes in this game and has four sacks of his own, you know, breaks Javon Curse's rookie sack record, he could potentially be the, the only other guy. It could be, it literally could be Lawrence Taylor and Micah Parsons as the only guys that ever won defensive rookie of the year and defensive uh, NFL defensive player of the year. And that's certainly something Micah Parsons wanted. And so he's disappointed. I mean, just, we got to talk to him on Tuesday. This comes down on Wednesday. Obviously he sends out a tweet after just how disappointed he is to let his teammates down. So I don't see I don't see any way he plays in this game. Um, but I guess if you're a Cowboys fan, you're probably like, well, just like with the several of the Eagles players you mentioned, well, that at least means that they're in good shape to be able to play, you know, for the first round of the playoffs. The issue there, though, is what's your conditioning like? You know, it, this is COVID is one of those things where it's like you're not going to be practicing and doing anything. So where is that at next week? No. Uh, you know, how how is he doing when he's at the facility and that? Because, um, you know, I don't know how much. You, I, mean, I would imagine you guys hear about it a lot, but like, there's no question that Micah Parsons is this Dallas Cowboys MVP this year. He he is the reason that they were able to elevate to where they are right now. As much as everyone always says it's Dak Prescott because he's the quarterback, Micah Parsons having the rookie, rookie season that he did is the reason the Cowboys won the division and they're in the position they are right now. That completely stunned everybody that he was able to make this type of an impact on a defense that last year was arguably the worst in the league. Yeah, they sort of made that change, John, when Demarcus Lawrence went down and, and the ship was might get to edge rusher. So his ability to play, you know, both positions is is pretty amazing, especially for a a a a rookie. But my my larger question is now that Demarcus is back and Randy Gregory has been unbelievable from the outside looking in, and you have Micah Parsons. How has that worked out? How is how is Dan Quinn using those guys? How is that uh, to have three impact pass rushers like that at times? Um, looks like the best group in the in the league to me. Has it been is it been working out that way on the field? It, it's been great against the bad teams. It's been great against Taylor Heineke and Mike Glennon and 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 <laughs> similar Jason to here. Yeah, yeah, and Taysom Hill. But when Kyler Murray was out there wheeling and dealing, it didn't look that great. And that was kind of a surprise because here's the thing, like, so with Randy Gregory back and Demarcus Lawrence back, you know, you can still rush Mike off the edge, what they just do on your third and long situations. They move Demarcus Lawrence inside. Um, and you can also, Mike has rushed a lot over center. And so he's kind of their, you know, chess piece to just move all over the place, 
in third and long situations, passing situations where they want him going downhill because he just has, he has excellent pass rushing ability that I think if everyone felt the same way about him, I don't think he makes it out of the top five or six picks, let alone make it to him to 12. So that's the part that's really elevated their game because if he was just going to be a middle linebacker, not to take anything away from good middle linebackers. I mean, if you can get Bobby Wagner at 12, you'll do it, but the Cowboys wouldn't have taken just a linebacker at 12. They needed the pass rush. And, and, and I, they're, they would even admit that they didn't think it was going to be at the level that it is right now. The, the issue is, though, is that, you know, Kyler Murray was able to, you know, a mobile quarterback like that was kind of able to neutralize it a little bit. Um, so it's interesting that that could be their, their first round opponent because this edge rushing crew, I think, matches up perfectly against Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, and maybe even Aaron Rodgers better than it does against Kyler Murray. All right, John, I need your take on a, a guy we haven't mentioned yet who some people may mention is the Cowboys uh, MVP, but there are stats to belie that. And that's uh, Stephen, uh, your, your cornerback who leads the National Football League in interceptions and, and a pretty high number that hasn't been put up in this league in a good couple of years. But, oh, by the way, the only cornerback in the National Football League who's given up 1,000 yards in one-on-one coverage this year. So he is the prototypic boomer bust type guy, either making big plays or giving up big plays. How is he uh, judged down there in Dallas these days? Well, because the Cowboys for so long, I mean, more than a decade, haven't had a playmaking defensive back like that, everybody's just fine with it because they're just like, oh, my God, this guy actually gets takeaways where uh, the perfect example is literally Byron Jones. He was a very good corner for the Cowboys. Obviously, he was paid very well by the Dolphins because he was a good corner for the Cowboys, but he didn't make plays on the ball. Now, he he would not be in, in that list that you just mentioned there of giving up a 1,000 yards, certainly. Uh, Byron Jones is great in coverage and, and, and doesn't give up those big plays like that, but then he also doesn't make plays. And just in watching this Cowboys team this season uh, – it just, it's hard to quantify. I guess is the best way I can put it is it's hard to quantify what his interceptions have meant because they've been game changers. They're, they've been momentum boosters. for the, the way they started against Washington two weeks ago looked like the same exact offense we've seen for the better part of the last two months. Trayvon Diggs, they test him on the very first play. Heineke goes deep to him looking for Terry McLaurin. And Trayvon Diggs picks that off. And it was like gasoline to a fire inside of AT&T Stadium. And it just changed everything. So because of that, Dan Quinn's going to live with him giving up the plays because when he makes the big plays and, and as you mentioned 11 it's just absurd that it's been so long since someone especially with the way the game is such so pass heavy yeah. has been able to do that they're willing to live with that now that's certainly stuff he has to clean up because equally he gives up the big play and a double move to aj green to start the game against the cardinals and that was a big big play that kind of got the cardinals going last week and so yeah he's he's certainly without warts uh or not without warts sorry um but th- just the, the 11 interceptions is 11 interceptions. I mean, just the way he gets his hands on the ball, the way he runs routes. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver out there. It's funny. Cause I see these rankings that people will say like, he's the 110th rated corner or whatever yeah. like that. All right. Give me, give me 32 GMs and tell me, tell me how far he gets. If you get to redraft every single corner that's in the NFL right now, I'd be stunned if you get to like five or six and someone hasn't picked Trayvon Diggs. So you can rank him 150 something, but a guy that takes away 11 balls is a guy that takes away 11 balls. I don't see anybody yeah. else coming close to that. Those those things aren't weighted for big plays and coaches and GMs like big plays. So you're you're a hundred percent right there. I do want to give you a warning, John. It is gonna be awfully cold 
in Philadelphia this uh, uh, Saturday night. The playoffs run through Green Bay, obviously. Any thought process from the Cowboys that this is a nice little uh, preparation for a potential visit to Lambeau Field? Yeah, you're you're dead on 100%. Um, I can't I can't remember exactly the exact wording that Mike McCarthy used the other day, but it was along the lines of like this will serve us well going forward, and um, it it, <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to realize what's in the NFC. And other than Green Bay, it's all pretty much warm weather outside of Philadelphia. You know, that's the whole thing. This whole season, it hasn't been really a mystery for the Cowboys. It was like, all right, you get in the playoffs. It's between Tampa, who Cowboys fans would be represented very well in Tampa in that stadium. I mean, I, I was there week one when they were getting their, their rings and hanging their banner. And that was 50, 50 Cowboys fans for that huge game for the, for the bucks. The other one would have been at LA uh, where the Cowboys, that would have been like a would Cowboys home 70, game. 30. <laughs> right. Um, and then Arizona, which the Cowboys would, rep- would be represented well. And then obviously that would be inside. And then there's AT&T stadium. So the only outlier is Tampa. I mean, is green Bay and the cold, and so that certainly is, is on their mind. And it just, you know, that's just, the, that's, that's the beautiful story of all of this is that if you cover the Cowboys over the last two years, you just had to feel like they get Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers has been their Achilles heel. Like it's going to have to go through green Bay. I don't, I don't care if you get the one seed or you get the seven seed, your chances of going to Super Bowl are going to run through green Bay and all those storylines that come with McCarthy and Rodgers and how many times Rodgers has been a thorn in the Cowboys side. Like, that's just the way it is. You're not going to sneak in and backdoor into the Super Bowl. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to have to go the tough route. And there's certainly, that's a great point. That, that is something, and that's probably a factor in why some of these starters are going to play uh, a little bit longer than they probably should is because uh, uh, the weather really isn't like that down here. So this could be a good, good warm up for uh, a couple weeks from now. Mm, John Machota here with us on Birds 365. Uh, John, we mentioned earlier in this segment that Jerry Jones was the first one to step out and, kind of direct the ship as to what the Cowboys are going to do in this game against the Eagles. And the coach fell into lockstep thereafter. Um, Jerry's a hands-on owner, always has been, always will be. Uh, Some would say meddling. I would say guy willing to spend the money to do what it takes. Um, So uh, there are Jerry detractors and Jerry defenders. He did give Jason Garrett a lot of time to be able to get this team moving forward and finally pulled the plug on him. What's the relationship right now between Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy? Uh, are they on the exact same page? Is Jerry bending over backwards to give McCarthy credit? Is he still parsing out the success a little bit at a time? What's the relationship between the hands-on owner and the head coach of the team? Jerry has certainly gone out of his way to give Mike praise. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is because when you're a head coach who you're not calling the offense and you're not calling the defense, if you have success on either side of that, either side of the ball, most of the credit's going to Kellen Moore on offense, Dan Quinn on defense. And as you see, their names are being mentioned for head coaching jobs. And so I feel Jerry has gone out of his way to give credit to Mike. And I do think that they are, they're pretty lockstep. With that being said, Mike McCarthy was not brought here to win the NFC East. He was brought here to win playoff games, to get past the divisional round, to get at least the NFC championship game for the first time since 1995. So while all things are fine right now, um, I just, I I think it would be not, and I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy would lose his job or anything, um, but things could change real quickly. 
if the Cowboys season that had so much promise and everyone was getting healthy at the right time ended with two losses in three weeks to the Arizona Cardinals in your, in your home stadium, that, that I don't, I don't see that going over very well. Um, and so, so that would be, that's something to keep an eye on. Again, I don't think that that means that Mike McCarthy wouldn't be back next year. I certainly believe that he will. I have no reason to think that he won't. Um, but that'll speed up the, the whole process there because the, the thing with Jason Garrett too, as you mentioned, is that that 2016 team they thought was really special. They won 13 games, got the one seed. They lose the Packers in the second round. I mean, that, that one bothered Jerry a lot because he thought of that as being a, a, a real good chance to win a Super Bowl, and it didn't even get close to getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, so this is Mike McCarthy is about to be judged in in the next week or or so going forward, and and if they can have playoff success or not. Well, you mentioned the talent, and it's pretty impressive uh, in Dallas right now, John. And you mentioned the coaching and the coordinators, Dan Quinn and and Kellen uh, uh, Kellen Moore. Uh, Jacksonville, I believe, requested permission uh, to talk to both. Uh, how how have they handled it? Uh, uh, have they done it? Did they try to uh, kick it off till after the season? How, how are those guys handling those types of issues? Yeah, they both they both were uh, requested for interviews. Uh, Dan Quinn has pushed his down the road. Um, I believe Kellen Moore, if not today, tomorrow, he's going to interview uh, virtually. So it hasn't had any impact really on their day to day, at least from what they've told us, from what Mike McCarthy's told us. Um, it should be interesting because we have, we have a conference call today with Kellen Moore. So I'm sure that'll be a, a pretty hot topic there, but uh, it is interesting that Mike McCarthy has continually said the same thing over and over when asked about the stuff. He's like, as long as common sense is involved, meaning that as long as you're not going out of your way, and you're, you're taking away from your, the job you have right now, and you're using common sense. He has no issues with coaches interviewing for these positions. He understands that there's only 32 jobs that obviously these guys, if they get the opportunity, are going to want to, uh, you know, they're going to want to be head coaches in that. So as of right now, it hasn't been a distraction. But again, going back to what I just said about the playoffs, if they lay an egg and the defense doesn't look good or the offense doesn't look good, uh, you know, it'll be something that'll be brought up with, you know, I wonder if that was a distraction at all. Then again, though, if they do lay an egg, I don't know how, how bad that hurts whatever team is, is looking at adding one of them uh, if they do get a, a job somewhere, uh, you know, because like I said, I mean, yeah, there's only 32, but are there really 32? How many of these jobs really don't come open very often at all? So, yeah, yeah, yeah Jacksonville's are there, and you can get some Detroit Lions is in there and stuff like that, but, like, how many of the really, really good jobs come open? And, and so um, I get the sense with Dan Quinn a little bit more than Kellen Moore that, Dan's going to try and be a little bit more picky about it. Uh, whereas Kellen Moore, first time being a head coach, I, I think you'd take uh, an expansion team in London or Mexico City or whoever. Uh, well, that's, that's interesting. Real quick, John, as a follow-up, is, is, isn't is Kellen the guy that sort of Jerry looks upon as the ultimate heir apparent? Does he want to lose Kellen Moore? You know, you know what's interesting about that is, you know, I thought that they should have at least interviewed one college coach the obvious choice would have been Lincoln Riley two years ago when they when they brought in Mike McCarthy and and they didn't and and Jerry was really adamant after that process went out it was a quick process and he was just adamant that they wanted someone with experience because of where the team is right now and so while it's popular down here at times particularly earlier in the year when they were playing very well in offense that oh just let Mike McCarthy go that's what fans would say just give the job to Kellen Moore let McCarthy go you can think that as a fan, Jerry doesn't think that though. Jerry wants the experienced guy, uh, you know, who's been there, 
who's won a Super Bowl, you know, who's been to multiple NFC championship games. He's not replacing Mike McCarthy with Kellen Moore as much as he does like Kellen Moore. And he would love for Kellen Moore to be the OC uh, for the next decade for them. Uh, he's not replacing Mike McCarthy because of his experience. John, give us a read on the Cowboys offensive line. Earlier in the show, John and I were speculating on who's going to sit for the Eagles. Uh, a couple of guys have not practiced this week, Dickerson and uh, Lane Johnson, and we'll find out how much they are, aren't going to play when sa- Saturday rolls around. Uh, how, do, how are the Cowboys going to deploy their offensive line? Is it going to be start, hopefully get a lead, get them now off the field? Will any of them be protected and not start? How do you think their offensive line? Uh, first of all, give me how, how they've been playing the last couple of weeks and how you think they'll be handled on Saturday. Yeah, they definitely haven't been playing well. And, and, and the biggest issue has been the penalties, holdings in particular. Like just, uh, you know, anytime they had even a decent run against Arizona last week, it was like you didn't, you just look back at the officials because you just knew that there was going to be a holding. And here's the thing like, the players complained about it after the game, about the way that how close the game was officiated and almost to a point where you're like, why are you using this as an excuse? But when you saw the replays of, of the calls that they were holding, I mean, they're just, it wasn't like the, there was just these phantom calls or anything that the offensive line just hasn't played well. And, and it just, when you have Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Lyle Collins and even Connor Williams, a second round pick, like you assume that this is going to be one of the best offensive lines in football. And it hasn't, it's been middle of the pack at best. Um, they've struggled to have any continuity throughout the season. They've rotated guys in and out. They're just getting Tyron Smith back healthy. And so to answer your, your original or your initial question, I, I do think they're going to play at least a few series with a Tyron Smith. And then maybe they get him out and bring in uh, the second year guy in Terrence Steele, get him some work. But because they just look so poor, particularly in the running game against Arizona, they have to get him at least a few series if they're going to play these starters. The other part of it is if you're putting Dak Prescott out there, why are you putting him out there if you don't want him protected by your best guys? And so Again, I, I I find it hard to believe these guys are going to be playing in the second half, uh, but at least for a few series, I, I anticipate the starting Cowboys offensive line being out there and, and them trying to establish the run because that's that's the big issue that they've really been having is they just have not had 45 yards rushing last week. I mean, that's just that's unheard of uh, for the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and, and their running game. All right, last one from me, John. Uh, and and by the way, Reed John in the Athletic uh, does a great job covering the Dallas Cowboys. We haven't talked about the quarterback. We have to talk about the quarterback and Dak Prescott. And you know, he hasn't played poorly, but I I think there was that span, uh, you know, a little early in the season where he's playing at a really high level. It hasn't been that recently. Is that because of those offensive line issues, the running game? Uh, it, it just doesn't seem the same explosiveness as it was at one point. Yeah, as much as I, I – it makes our job easier if you can just point to like one or two things. It just really hasn't been that because it's been the offensive line. It's been the lack of running game. It's been his calf. Uh, it's been that when he's off uh, or well, let's say a wide receiver gets open, he's been off on the throw. Uh, when when he has had a nice uh, ball to and even to the top receivers like CD and Amari, there's been too many drops. I mean, you can just go all across the board. There's no one that doesn't deserve some blame, but obviously he gets the most. Not only because he's the Cowboys franchise quarterback, but obviously coming off the contract that he signed, uh, so he's under the microscope. It, it was interesting. We talked to him yesterday, and I've been around Dak Prescott quite a bit, going all the way back to 16 when they drafted him. And I would say yesterday is probably the shortest his responses have been uh, in, in dealing with us. Uh, I, w- 
I, I think frustrated might be a little too strong, but like he just really didn't have, he didn't really want to get into anything, whether it be about what he's seeing on the field. Uh, he was adamant that he's seeing everything well, uh, that he doesn't care. He, does, he said that he's adamant that he's seeing everything well, even though we might not be thinking that, but then added, he doesn't care what, you know, we think. And that was just very undack like for him to say that, which I thought was interesting because it just, in a way it's small, but it shows kind of his frustration that, you know, this is a guy that early in the season, you know, man, the way he came out week one, you were like, oh, I didn't think Dak was going to be like this right off that ankle injury. And he was right at, man, going in the bye week MVP conversation. Now he's just kind of played like he's had a solid season, you know, but it, it hasn't been great. And having these all these receivers healthy now and having all these pieces coming back at the right time and it's not clicking. There's no question that that he's frustrated about it. John, last question, and I'm sticking with the position, but jumping to the other side, that would be quarterback. As you can well imagine, we talk a lot about Jalen Hurts, what he's doing. Is he going to be able to get to the playoffs to win for the Eagles? Will he be the Eagles quarterback in 2022? And we have our own little tunnel vision on the Eagles quarterback. What did anybody down in Dallas say this week about him? Be it either Dan Quinn and or any of the players. What was the Jalen Hurts conversation from an opponent's perspective leading into this game? There really hasn't been a lot. Um, and I think it has something to do with the fact that at least the vibe down here is that people really don't believe that the Eagles are going to be playing Jalen Hurts very much, um, whether it be because of his ankle injury and uh, who knows how much worse that could have been if that railing would have fell on him, but that's another topic. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like that's probably the biggest topic down here is just the, man, that – that FedEx field is a dump. They got oh, so lucky that he didn't. You mean, wait, that, wait, wait. You didn't hear? If it's not going to be AT&T, FedEx field is the backup plan for the Super Bowl. First is LA. Second is Dallas. Third is, uh, no, you don't think so? All right. Never no, mind. no, no, no. I I mean, the AT&T thing is popular down here, which is funny to me because when I first got down here, I was covering high school football and that's when Kyler Murray was playing in high school. And so he hasn't lost in high school or college or the pros. So when I heard the AT&T Sam, I'm like, yeah, obviously Cowboys fans are pumped about this, but Kyler Murray's probably ecstatic. But no, um, yeah, there just hasn't been a lot of talk about about Jalen Hurts down here. I think I think the biggest one is that he obviously has a close relationship with with Trayvon Diggs. They were in the same recruiting class at Alabama, and Trayvon Diggs has got four interceptions in three games against the Eagles. And so, uh, you know, Trayvon didn't want to say why he thinks that is or anything like that. He was he was very guarded on his response. He's just like, I don't know, we see them a lot, so maybe that has something to do with it. But um, it's interesting because coming off of the way Kyler was able to run, particularly late in the game when the Cowboys needed to stop in the last four or five minutes, it is, it, it is interesting. They did, they played well against Jalen Hurts earlier. Um, but if this was a game where, where either one of these teams needed to win to get in the playoffs or both, it would be interesting to see how they handled uh, a Jalen running the football because they did have problems with Kyler Murray doing that. But no, unfortunately, just because of the meaning of this game, there just hasn't been a lot of Jalen Hurts talk. That's what I figured, but I just wanted to make sure that that was the case, that you down in Dallas believe that Jalen Hurts isn't playing either. You're going to have to wait till Saturday when you warm up, coming in from the cold outside and sit down next to McMullen to find out exactly who's going to be in the lineup. John, we appreciate you hopping on with us today. Yeah, great job, and uh, enjoy your trip up to Philly this weekend. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. John Machota, The Athletic, gave us some good insight there to the boys here on Birds 365. All right, coming back, we got a couple of minutes left. We need to put the proverbial bow on the show next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good day, everyone. It's Joe Kraus from the Jacob Media Network here at Neck of the Woods. Uh, so excited to introduce Krause's Coat Check, a cold IPA. It's just an incredible thing. I'm in my 18th year of Krause's Coats and with Brian's help and uh, Frank coming together here at Neck of the Woods. Krause's Coat Check, a cold IPA, was born on this day. We'll celebrate it on January 11th, and everyone is invited to enjoy or to meet and experience the entire Jacob Media team, and also experience Krause's Co-Check, a cold IPA. Gentlemen, a toast, I think, to you for producing Krause's Co-Check here at Neck of the Woods. Cheers. Cheers. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you guys tuning in to Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald here with you. Uh, while you're at it, like, hit that like button. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, I told to do that. Uh, we do appreciate the fact that you tune in. And while you're at it, you can like us. And it'll improve uh, the, what what do we call it again? That uh, The mathematical form. The, the algorithm. algorithm. Which I don't understand a little bit. That's a that's a Xander production. The Xander thing goes up right over my head. Uh, But we do appreciate you guys supporting the channel and specifically Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, J Mac. uh, Today a practice day. You heading down? You zooming your life away? What do you got on your docket the rest of the day? Zooming my life away. The head coach and the players at eleven o'clock. So very little time between birds 365 and 
Zoom world walkthrough today because it's typically a Friday. So, um, yeah, where are we? They're playing Saturday, so that would be sun. Yeah, yeah, that's where they are. Right. So you're not uh, missing out on anything as far as getting knowledge from practice because it's only going to be a walkthrough anyway. Um, nah, we'll, I, I, I'll get your feeling more on it tomorrow, but just a little tease today. What do you think the crowd's going to be like on Saturday down there? It's going to be cold. I did. I wasn't joking with John. It's going to be cold. I think it's going to be like 18 degrees at, at night, uh, high of 30 maybe, if I'm correct. Um, and obviously when the sun goes down, it's a night game. Uh, it, that's an interesting question, Jody. I mean, it is Philadelphia, but it's a not a meaningless game, but fairly meaningless in the large scale of things. It is the Dallas Cowboys, though. I think it's going to be pretty full, but I wouldn't be surprised if people were leaving early. You know what it, I mean? It's a, it's a reduced meaningful game. It's yeah. the Cowboys, but uh, again, and it's speculation on our part, maybe you think that you'll get a little bit more out of the coach today. He may tip his hand a little bit. I think he plays them close to the vest. His cards will not be shown today uh, much more high, than he high has. High of 32 week. on Saturday, Jody. 19 below. Okay. So, uh, and it is eight eight fifteen start, right? 8-15. Right. Because Oof. it's the second of the two uh, games on Saturday, which means yeah, it'll be running late and the temperatures will be diving as the Eagles and the Cowboys are playing. Um, and how many guys... If if the guys are not going to play, uh, the, the starters and the like, all on the bench, uh, uniformed up, civvies up in the press box. We well, have, the, guys, uh, the, the guys who are inactive will obviously, uh, the COVID list guys, if they don't activate guys, they won't be there, uh, obviously, because they can't be around the team. Um, yeah, if you're not active, you'll have the street clothes on. Um and, you know, if you're active and you're out there to play a, a series or two, I'm looking at you, Jason Kelsey, you, you got a dress, obviously. So you're going to be on the sidelines freezing. You know what off. He may, may not come back out for the second half. Make sure you got the binoculars ready to see if he's on the sideline in the second half. All right, last one, JM. And again, something we can talk about tomorrow that we'll uh, expand upon. Gardner Minshew went to the coach recently and said, hey, what can I do? How can I possibly become the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? And the coach said, he kidnap uh, Jeff Galulium, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, uh, make that, him yeah, unavailable. Jeff Galuli, yeah. Uh, the you Jeff Galuli thing, uh, exactly. Um, but Gardner can put himself in a better position either here in Philadelphia and or potentially elsewhere. What kind of game you think Gardner Minshew's sitting on this weekend? Well, we can only hope it's as unstoppable as Nate Sudfeld once was in the late season against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, uh, you know, and, and I, good good on you yesterday for the life of me. Me and uh, Kerr couldn't remember the descriptive adjective that Jeff Lorre used ah, on Nate on. Sudfeld. And we had to look it up and Xander, to his credit, was faster than either one of us and came up with unstoppable. You didn't even have to look it up. That which nothing that went over my head. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if Gardner uh, merits unstoppable 
even though he's been better than Nate. Well, Sudfeld, you know, guys who should play and guys who will play. We talked about the receivers a lot with Mike Gill and Jalen Rager. I mean, Jalen's got to play. Quez has got to play. Your buddy Greg Ward's probably going to get bumped up. Uh, even JJ. So that's who Gardner's going to be uh, going to be throwing to. And if he can do some things with those receivers, yeah, maybe maybe the top five GM could spin them off or something. Uh, how about that? No one will give him credit for. Yeah, and that's uh, that. That would be, in my estimation, and I know you and I ran it down the other day. If somebody offered a second round pick, then of course, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trading. I'm not trading unless unless they bowl me over. Right, somebody's going to have to make a uh, blatantly overpayment offer for them to do that because he is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the National Football League. And then you just got to go out and get yourself another backup next year. Why wouldn't you just keep the guy that you have? All right, J Mac, uh, have a fun day zooming your life away. I say we get the a Friday. Are we gonna have game day Kratz tomorrow? Is that game day Kratz? Eight twenty, eight twenty, game day Ed Kratz. Early yeah. game day, but game day nonetheless. Looking forward to talking to Ed Kratz and you tomorrow, JM. Have a good day. Thanks everybody tuning in here to Birds three sixty five. Count them twenty two. Uh, well, I feel like who's the guy? Two uh, and two, Chuck two. Woolery. Chuck Woolery connection. Two and two. That's twenty two yeah. hours till we're right back here on Birds three sixty five. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.